0: Hi everyone and welcome to The Mind Behind It, my name is Huda
1: And I am Sile. let's get into it
2: So my name is Judith. I live on the Canary Islands. This is in Spain, off the coast of Africa. And I don't know what to say. <laughs>
1: Interview over. That was really nice talking to you, Judith.
0: <laughs> you've, got, you've got too much. That's the problem. You're doing too many things. Well, the thing is, you see,
2: I'm doing um, what, I, what I'm actually earning my living with is with marketing, online marketing, and I create websites and we do social media for my clients. But that is not really what is driving me in, in life, really. I mean, on the very first level is probably my family. And then the second was always uh, exploring the mind and expanding the mind and always trying to find out what is out there. That's how I came into the Mondrian Institute because always searching, always searching. There was never, no matter what I achieved in my life or what I had and I have a great life, somehow it was never enough. I always I always was looking for, for more. There was, there was something out there which I needed to understand.
1: Question that I have for you. It's extremely yeah. important. And please really think about it before you answer. What is it like living on Canary Islands? Paradise. Yeah. (laughs) What a great... I'm really jealous i'm not gonna lie
2: you are in australia no
1: Yep, yes. we're in melbourne we're pretty lucky we have no coronavirus or anything so we're pretty lucky
2: yeah no i know we are watching that closely how are you doing down there in australia and we are also an island and we are also trying to imitate what's happening in australia but we are not going to be able to do this we are a tourist island so we are yeah. basically mm-hmm. depending on the tourists from europe.
1: europe how did you end up at the island
2: i grew up in austria i'm a typical i'm not a typical european because i have lived in many different countries but i i would like to call myself European. I've lived in many different countries in Europe. Vienna, but I am originally from Croatia, you know, ex-Yugoslavia. When I was one year old, my parents moved to Austria and Austria is cold in the winter. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was standing on the bus stop going to school and there was icy roads mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. freezing cold, I said to myself, oh God, I really need to go and live somewhere where it's always warm. I just need to go and live there. Yeah. And then when was 22, somebody told me, listen, the Canary Islands, paradise, always warm, and so on. And then uh, we packed our bags about a year later too, and came here, arrived, and then I had to make my life again.
1: I find there's such a difference in culture between Europe and India. Like, if I told my parents at the age of 22, like, hey, I'm packing my bags and going to Canary Islands, <laughs> like, I'd never be able to talk to them again. Like, they'd never talk to me again. Like, that. just it's this European kind of vibe to, you know, just explore the world.
2: Yes, that's very what we want. We want our children to basically when they're 18, we really want them to go traveling. That is very important. Mm. World, the world in themselves mostly, because when you are, when you are with different people, then you, then you learn about yourself kind of, you know.
1: Exactly.
0: So you did say just before that you're not satisfied, I guess, almost because you were always searching for more. So how did you kind of stumble across the more? The
2: Monroe Institute. I think when I was 13, I got introduced to the. I read the book by Dr. Moody, Life After Life. Raymond Moody was the very first person who I collected all the information of people who had near-death experiences. And I was 13, I remember, and I read this book and I was, for me, it was like a memory. I was kind of remembering this is exactly how it is. It it almost felt like, wow, how come that I have forgotten how it is when you die? So, from when I was 13, this was always on my mind. I really want to experience what it means to to die and what is out there. So I was searching for out-of-body experiences. I wanted to experience one now. I wanted to feel what it was like. And that is how I came across the Monroe Institute. I started suddenly reading loads of uh, accounts of people who had been there and these extraordinary experiences they all had. And I was thinking, well, if I go there, maybe maybe I could, you know, experience a little bit, you know, some just a little bit of, of, of what those people are, are writing about. And that is how I got there. So in May 2010, I went on my first course at the Monroe Institute in Spain. And that's really, it was a life-changing event for me. Have you always believed in ghosts? Have you, is that something
0: you've always believed in?
1: <laughs> I'd say maybe spirits.
0: Well, you know, for the lack of a better term, yes,
2: spirits. But, you know, I just say ghosts. Okay, so when I was younger, I would have believed in ghosts. I, I believed in ghosts and I believed in all those uh, really scary aspects of the ghost world. When I was really young, I had the feeling that you had to have some special skills to be seeing ghosts and that if you didn't watch out, it could be dangerous. So I would never go and do a Ouija board or something. I, I, was, I was scared of it. But again, when I've been to the moderation and I experienced it myself, I realized that ghosts as such, they do not, it's not something you perceive in this real, in reality. Ghosts uh, or, or, or spirits or whatever, there is a different kind of perception. You don't perceive with your senses. Because what we can see here in this world, you you can only perceive with the senses you have—the five senses: the eyes, the the smell, the the skin, the ears, the sight. It's, it's
1: a three-dimensional world, right? As we know exactly. it, and we assume exactly. that there are only three dimensions, which is exactly. not
2: true. So then it's always hearsay. As long as you don't don't experience yourself, it's always hearsay. You exactly. you people think that, and you imagine it's the, it's, it's it's that way like out-of-body experiences and many people do it I mean I'm doing obviously I'm holding courses and I have people who come to my courses because they want to have an out-of-body experience and they believe that you actually kind of step out of your body Mm -hmm. and it it feels exactly as if you were going with this body through this world but it's not exactly like that it is in a way it is much bigger than that because you experience with, with your entire being you know and you never kind of leave the body as such you know you are kind of always connected with this physical body because you're still alive and then you kind of move out, you expand your your, your consciousness and then you suddenly start perceiving different things. But you don't perceive them with the physical senses, you perceive them with with consciousness itself, you know? So you don't need to, for example, a blind person, if they have an out-of-body experience, they suddenly can see in this other dimension.
1: Well, actually, before we go further, I think the difficulty with talking about these things is that you tend to go into a rabbit hole really quickly, right? Where words cannot explain a lot of things. So I just want exactly. to break it down for listeners. If you can tell people what the Monroe Institute is. And secondly, what was your first, first experience when you got there? Because there are tapes out there. There are a lot of tapes out there where they talk about altering consciousness. And a lot of people try and do those tapes by themselves to listen to them. But I want to know from you what the Monroe Institute actually does and what was your first experience?
2: So the Monroe Institute, it is created by Robert Monroe. This is a very important figure in all this, you know, so you can't divide that you can't talk about the monroe institute without talking about robert monroe himself he started having spontaneously started having out-of-body experiences um and he was i think he was 43 can't remember exactly but i think he was 43 and he didn't know what to do with it because that happened back in the 50s when he was having them basically every every night and in the beginning he thought he was dying you know he was going mad or something and he went to the doctor and said what's going on you know i'm having those experiences I'm you know every time i, I go to sleep i'm out of body and experiencing these weird things. He thought he was going crazy. Nobody could really help him. There was no literature about it anywhere. Let me put it this way. There was no scientific literature on it. There was always metaphysical stuff, you know. Astral travel and all these
1: ghosts. Quantum physics is probably the closest thing that has ever come in that I know of.
2: But but at that time, they didn't connect quantum physics uh, yeah. with, with this. So it was all kind of a little bit spooky, you know, at yeah, that time. It is. And
1: quite, quite confusing. I remember reading. So I did like physics at a higher level in school. And I remember like reading about quantum physics. And even the professors had a very hard time explaining it because it's such a new science. They're, exactly. still, they're still exploring it.
2: Exactly. So he then uh, eventually, somebody said, why don't you just start writing all these things down, so you have got a recollection of it? And he was a scientific; uh, he had a scientific mind, so he started writing everything down. Did his diary for ten years. His very first book came out was uh, *Journeys Out of the Body*. And then he suddenly got an avalanche of of all kinds of people coming to him and said, "Oh, my experience is the same. Oh, thank you so much for your book." And so then later on, he figured out he needed to help other people to improve their experience or, or control those experiences he was a wealthy man so he could afford to to do those experiences and create a specific studio where people could uh, where they could experiment him and his his friends they could actually kind of experiment with uh, how to trigger out of body experiences and how to record the process and how to how to teach people to talk while they are out of body. He created a studio where people would be connected to to electrodes and there would be the right temperature in the room. The the room was, was completely soundproof. Uh, they would connect them with, with heart monitors, with brain monitors, and then would try to get them into altered state of consciousness. And and during all those experiments, they came across binaural beats.
1: So if you can explain binaural beats.
2: So what happens with binaural beats is that you're basically playing two different sound frequencies in either, either one of the ears so for example Mm -hmm. if you want somebody to get into a deep sleepy state which would be a four hertz frequency you can't actually just play a sound of four hertz next to them because our ears they do not pick it up we only pick up after i think 38 40 hertz we start we can actually hear everything which is below that can't hear it okay so there is a trick to that so what what can you do to to get a person into a into a kind of a four hertz state so what you do you, you put 104 hertz into one ear and 100 hertz in the other ear and then there's a difference so there's a four hertz difference between the two tones so the bri- the brain starts vibrating within this difference between the two between the two frequencies and that way you can get a person if they want to and if they let themselves into a kind of relaxed very relaxed very deep state of consciousness that is be narrow that's really what pinaro speed do. you can do you can do all kinds of mixture of uh, be narrow beats i mean there's a lot of people who are who are creating those pinaro beats nowadays out in the yeah, you out can in go the on water.
1: YouTube now and type it, you can And, and you have to be
2: extremely care, you have to be careful with that because people have not properly scientifically experimenting with this so they are mixing tones together which they shouldn't be mixing together so sometimes if you if you listen to those tones you might actually end up with headache instead of actually getting you into a really State of consciousness. The only thing you might have is just headache because they're just mixing too many tones into it. And I have experienced that. And you you just don't know what you're getting.
1: It's like a bad (laughs) DJ in your head. It's like a really bad DJ. What's the best way to do it at home? I'm really curious. If I wanted to do it by myself,
2: if you wanted to do it by yourself, I recommend you definitely do Hemi Sync. So I have got some of them on my website. You can try. I've got some of the things for free as well, where you can just try lucidmindcenter.com. You can uh, try. I've got like a three minute play and and then also you can download a 30 minute um, exercise and see what it does to you. I've also got proper instructions, what you need to do before you go into the exercise. And and also you you can contact me and tell me, listen, I felt that. I felt that. What do I do now? and I will, I
1: will help you through. All right. We're, we're
2: going to do
0: this.
1: I, we want to experiment it and we want to talk about it on our podcast yeah, as well. We're
0: going to do it. We're going to, ex- yeah.
1: And then we'll, <clears throat> we'll come to you because I don't think it'll do anything for Huda because she can't... <laughs> She she hardly sleeps, so I have so a leave very
0: a, hard time going to bed. And actually, staying can asleep that be, really?
1: maybe that that could be something you could help her with? Because she's <laughs> a pain in the ass when she doesn't sleep.
2: <laughs> well, I don't sleep very. I, I don't sleep a lot myself. I can I can I can oh, live on three or four oh. hours sleep per night. Well done. I think I would actually end up. No, don't
0: encourage in this kind
1: of behavior. I don't like. I'm saying
0: it's good on her. I'm no. not. I'm not encouraging you. I think that you should not be doing that. But you are the professional here. Uh, thank you. Not you. Not
1: uh, you, Sahil. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, going back, to binaural beats and Robert Monroe.
2: Robert Monroe then actually started creating courses with all his equipment, with all his binaural beats and actually went on uh, mini seminars weekend seminars having 30, 40, 50 people in the room you know they would just meet like a huge room somewhere and people would come from all over the place to, to listen to those binaral beats then he called it Hemisync they gave it a, a new a, a new name and it's standing for hemispheric synchronization that's why it's called Hemisync
1: so it's, and, it's yeah. divided into two hemispheres and it's both hemispheres it kind of like your right brain and your left brain coming together because isn't, that, isn't that the thing that I'll probably mess it up between right and left. That one side is is the conscious side, and generally you want to overcome it so that you become more suggestive. And you know, then is that the
2: well, podcast? there is uh, they have come further in science nowadays. You know, they have figured out that it's not exactly that black and white. Mm-hmm. They do say that one more, one side is more the more rational, and the other side is more emotional. But obviously, the brain always works together. If part of a brain is damaged, then the, then then another part of the brain can take over. It's not exactly that black and white as we used to think 50 years ago. Yeah. yeah. But what is happening is when you are listening to binaural beats and when they're well mixed together, that you're getting something which is they call a hemispheric synchronization. So your brain is working in unison. For some people they are more emotional and some people they are more rational. Beats so or with hemisync, your brain starts working in unison. Mm -hmm. And the personal effect or the subjective effect of it is that your mind is expanded and that you have got suddenly an ability to explore the consciousness which is beyond your body.
1: So like beyond your regular senses.
2: Beyond your body, really. It's really the body because that when we are in our presence now, right now, where we're sitting here, we are really experiencing our life and our surroundings through our senses. You know, you're feeling the, the heat or the warmth and you're looking, you're smelling, you're tasting, and you're constantly experiencing your surrounding with your five physical senses. And you're not even aware that there is different ways of perceiving your reality. And once you have consciously gone into this expanded awareness, you kind of realize there's more to it than just this physical reality. And that is really, really the big turning point, I feel, you know? So this is where people start talking about ghosts when they have suddenly expanded their awareness and suddenly could pick up things which were beyond their senses and then they suddenly talk of ghosts. Or if you have got a near-death experience, you are kind of leaving this body and suddenly experiencing what it is like to die.
1: At the Monroe Institute, how did they come to the conclusion that by listening to the to the hemi-sync tapes binaural beats, if you go out of your body, that's kind of like what after death would be like? What was the proof? Kind of what was the first indication that
2: This is this is not what they're saying, that's what I am saying.
1: Okay. So so how, right. so what what are you basing it on?
2: I was studying this, you know. Every, every time I have got a topic which interests me, I study it. You know, I have to this is just a natural thing. It's not because I anybody forces me. I just need to know so i go deep into it i have uh, read an incredible amount of near-death experience accounts and i have read an incredible amount of astral travel which are old some of the stuff is 120 years old of those accounts of -of out-of-body out-of-body travels and what what i realize is that's very similar it's a very similar kind of when the person returns and tells about what has happened what they have experienced. People, when they experience, when they are perceiving things with their expanded consciousness, they give it words, they they call it according to their beliefs, you know? So, if they, for example, see a light, if they are Christians, they might call it an angel or they might call it Jesus or, or whatever. If they are Muslims, they might call it Muhammad or something, the same light. They are atheists, you know, if they don't believe in anything, they just might call it the being of light or the, the being of love, you know? It is just the name we are giving it is according to our own belief system. But it's always, once you've experienced, you recognize they're talking about this light being or those light spots, or they're talking about this, what I have seen as well. I just call it something else. And that is what I what I have noticed from reading all this, from experiencing myself, from listening to the accounts of my fellow travelers when I was all to, to those different courses. And when I was giving courses, when I was holding courses and I had my own students there, they experience exactly the same thing. They're just calling it different. And they're describing it differently. This is like if the three of us now go and walk in a forest, we're going to pick up different things and we are going to call it maybe different names. But at the end of the day, it was the same experience. I
1: don't know if I'd go in a forest right now. Wow. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: I definitely go with you. I definitely go with you. I think I'm gonna find a lot, a lot of things.
2: We take, to, we
0: bring the dogs along.
1: Yeah. Things. Oh yeah. I he he will just
0: kill. He will just run off. We'll be dead to him. He'll be like I'm sorry. You no, know, he'll protect us. I don't know. He'll run off.
1: Well, that's the amount of trust. Okay. <laughs> so talking about your experiences. So what was that first experience like at Monroe Institute?
2: So when I I arrived, there, I did it in Spain. So this was like a, this is what they call the. I didn't actually go to the Monroe Institute. I went in Spain. To uh, uh, the Gateway Voyage. This is the introduction, introductory level which you need to kind of have before you can go on any other courses. You just need to because it's like a step by step process. You are being led into the ex- expanded consciousness. You can't do this just like that. You know, you're going in, and you're coming out. There is something which they call focus levels. So when we are in this consciousness level which we are now, we we are in focus level one. We are wide awake. We are here. We can talk with each other and uh, with the Monroe Institute that's why I like it so much, it's because they actually really teach you and guide you and have made words, made levels where they really guide you in and out and you learn how to achieve those and reach those levels without their help, you know, it's like it's like they're teaching you to ride a bicycle or they're, they're teaching you how to explore these uh, levels of consciousness safely that is the really the what, what I really liked about it. When I first arrived there I was fascinated, I was fascinated by the people I was fascinated by the people I met and the kindness of also of the facilitators how how kind and and wise they seem to be they seem to know something which which i didn't <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, it's quite remarkable that they do. I'm not sure if you know that a couple of years ago, the FBI came out with this massive report about the Monroe Institute. I'm sure you know, talking about how the government has been doing this work with the Monroe Institute for years and blah, blah, blah. And it hasn't been revealed to the common public, which I think is a good thing because if, as you said, if people started experimenting by themselves, it's unsafe. Yeah, they might be causing more harm. And you need facilitators who can help you and be kind to you. So, how does the process work? So, what's the first step they make you do
2: so you're talking about just go back to you what you're talking about the FBI you're talking about the remote viewing
1: Yes. So if you can talk about that, I wasn't sure if you're allowed to talk about it or not. But if you can, we'd be very happy because <laughs> I don't, I don't think uh, because people make TikTok videos, so it's like these 60-30 second videos where uh, this girl was talking about, you know, how the Monroe Institute has been working, and now the FBI has finally revealed what happens in these experiences. Blah blah blah. They can talk to aliens and basically sensationalizing it a lot. So we want to get the actual version it. of of what this article was actually about and why did the FBI finally <laughs> release these documents?
2: I don't know what the article. Because I haven't read the article, but it's not been necessarily secret. I mean, that uh, the remote viewing they've been doing, I think, in the 70s, in the 70s or 80s. Basically, there are some people who have got better skills than others to remote view. It's not like we all have got the, the same skills you know some people can be marathon runners and some people cannot.
1: Can <laughs> you define remote viewing? Yeah remote I was going to
2: ask what that is. Okay, so remote viewing means that you're getting into a going into a deep meditative state and then you are basically said, can you please go to such and such a point and explore the area mentally? Okay, so you do it while you're kind of in a meditative sort of... So for state. example, say, I could say, okay, now I want to know what your room is behind you without without actually being able to come physically there. But disgusting. You really don't want to go there. It's the last place you want to be. Give me a <laughs> hint. Was she trying.
1: was going to do it and <laughs> now she knows more. I wanted you to do it. <laughs> oh,
2: so what? really were using it for is basically to, to kind of uh, spy on Russian facilities and the Russians they were they were also training their spies uh, remote viewing spies uh, to uh, industrial <laughs> spionage and, and God knows what to, to actually check wow. out what is going on in those particular
1: do you think they were, they were both spying on each other and there was like a time where both of them came together and they were like holy shit you're here too <laughs> probably what a coincidence let's have a dinner party so
2: okay so they're
0: saying that that's what remote
2: viewing is okay so
0: you basically remote
2: is basically you're going into a, somebody says to you coordinates gives a coordinates or gives you a particular place and says okay can you please go and check out what's going on there right and you yeah. have to be extremely you have to be extremely good at it and well well trained that you don't mix up the things you're imagining with the things which are actually there wow so, so, so it's that, like
0: a dream it's like what? a dream
2: it's like lucid dreaming if you know what that what that yeah. means is basically become consciousness within your within your travels and try to explore the reality which is really there with your uh, expanded consciousness. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever had a lucid dream. Would I know if I have? Have you ever had a lucid... Have you ever had a dream which you really, really remember then had the feeling that you were flying and you, yes. you were like, oh my God, three. And you could kind of decide where you wanted to fly to. You know what happens to me a lot though? I often yeah. dream that I've
0: woken up and then I haven't. That and is, it is a lucid dream. Over and over and over and over again until I finally wake up. Well that is a lucid
2: dream. <sighs> I mean... A- Lucid, it's a
1: pointless it's a, one, but it's it, 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 it does. it's, really pointless. it's very pointless. Just get up, seriously. This also
2: because because again we have got all those different expressions, so we are so we are saying okay, um, lucid dreaming means that you have to become lucid within your dream. Yeah, that is the advanced state. The advanced state is that you become conscious in your dream and and start taking conscious decision of what you're going to experience in your dream. But the lucid dream really is that you've became lucid. And that you're t- taking decisions within the within the dream and decided, I want to go here or we're gonna, I want to go there. And you consciously remember that you took that decision Within the dream, that means That's you already amazing. have experienced a lucid dream.
1: So is it's it like
2: that... you say, it's like you said before. People are saying everybody everybody's making sensations yeah. out of everything. Yeah. You know. Because otherwise, how they're... will they tell
1: a story? How how are they going to tell a story? Exactly.
2: But uh, lucid dream really is when you became lucid and you, you and you can't forget the dream, and you may be repeating the same dream over and over again, and you're taking conscious decisions within your dream to do something. Yeah, and you can right. and then out of it. You kind of remember. Oh,
1: yeah, mine is a very typical one where so mine's always I'm on the theater stage and I've forgotten my lines and, and and I just get really frustrated in my dream I'm like dude I fucking told you to learn your lines why do you have to leave it to the last moment and I'm having a talk with myself in my dream and I know I can feel it and then part of me is like you know what I actually don't want to wake up because I want to see what happens where does this story go but is it the subconscious making that decision I, I think it's, it's actually quite a, a good discussion to have someone of your expertise to define what the subconscious is because there's so much out there on the subconscious <laughs> and how it makes decisions for us 99 percent of the decisions are made by the subconscious so do you do you have the knowledge and the expertise to talk about that
2: no i have personal experience and again i have i like to analyze my personal experience and uh, the stories of other people i just like to compare them analytically mm-hmm. I say, okay they're saying they have experienced this i've experienced that okay that's similar i understand that one or i can say well they are telling me this story no, I haven't experienced that. I'm going to have to just believe what they're saying to me, that this is the truth, because I haven't experienced it. That, that, is, that is what I have. But I haven't I haven't got any psychological training as such, where I can say, okay, this is the subconscious, this is the unconscious. Well,
1: my, my next question is, when you were altering your consciousness and going into that space, and, and you've read so many accounts of people who've had near-death experiences, there, there's so many religions that are, you know, based on the idea that there's a heaven and a hell. Mm -hmm. right after so can you tell us what the accounts were or what some of the similar accounts were as to what happened to them right after they they sort of left their body like is there a soul or
2: Mm, yeah there's a spirit i mean okay so the near-death experience is fascinating oh i love them i absolutely love near-death experiences when i'm Again, now when I'm looking into this, I probably had one when I was a kid. I probably had one which somehow got stored away in my in my memory. And then when I read the first one, I was like, "That is what I had, exactly that." So there is those there is those institutions which are called, for example, Yans. This is a uh, website where people can write down their near death experiences. There's like a whole questionnaire which people can fill in. Question because there's like 45. 50 questions where they ask them did you get out of the body? Did you see a light? Did you see relatives? How did it feel? What was your near-death experience like? How long did it take? Did you see the city of light? And so on. So they they kind of can they asked them all the possible questions which have been collected all over the years about near-death experiences. And then they researched all this data and they figured out that there is kind of a order of aspects which people experience. So one of the most common aspects of people when they're having a near-death experience is that they are perceiving themselves to be out of the body. You, you have heard of people saying, yeah, have life review and uh, relatives and lights. But actually, one of the most common ones is to perceive themselves out of the body. Body. And then they might go back in. The moment when their heart stops beating and some, and then nurses come in and revive them, they're kind of out of their body and they perceive their body from above. And they can see how everybody is, is trying to resuscitate them. So this is the most common experience is to be out of body. And it might, might be only a few seconds, might be only a few minutes uh, that they were actually out of the body and come back in. And this is the most common aspect of a near-death experience. Then we can go further, then they say, say, okay, well, I have received like a tunnel where I felt I needed to go through. And at the end of the tunnel, there was a light. That is not as common as the out-of-body experience, for example. I have actually written a page about that as well. There is like, I have actually put it into the first 15 most common aspects of a near-death experience. Which has been elaborated by the by the Yanns Institute.
1: Let's go back to the Monroe Institute, and you're training there. How has it helped you to help other people with especially their traumas or anxiety or mental health? Like, how has has that been a part of your journey as well? Just helping people with that?
2: No, not with the mental health, because this is not again. I'm not trained in that. What it helped me, or how how I could help other people, is because they were having they were in a similar search. They really wanted to know what is out there. You know, maybe they wanted to learn how to meditate how to get into deep levels of meditations maybe they wanted to explore out of body experiences maybe they wanted to connect with their creativity with their inner guides different things and um it helped me help them to learn how to reach those particular things they wanted to reach okay so what happened is that i went to this modern institute in 2010 after i went to three courses within the same year and then qualified myself as an outreach facilitator in 2010 then i created my and i really was fire and flame i wanted to to be an outreach facilitator and basically help other people to to explore this uh, expanded states of consciousness. Then I started building my website, started having courses. In 2015 or 2014, I started a new business, which is my marketing company. And then I had to put everything what I was doing with, uh, with, with anything to do with exploring consciousness. I had to put it on ice because I had to build the other company. And I didn't really do a lot since 2015, I think. And then last year, because we were in the corona situation... And I couldn't really work as much as i as I would have liked to. I kind of also remembered again about my lucid mind center. I remembered again about this uh, expanding consciousness. We got a group i got together with a group of friends where we were exchanging metaphysical stuff. you know we were doing meditation together, we were having some of those hemi-sync exercises. We did some shamanic work and that's when I started reholding my my website and started getting back into this spiritual work again. Because of those uh, weekly meetings we are having, I am now putting a course together, an online course, for all those different uh, experiences I've had in my life, for all those different courses, all those different teachings, all those understanding and insights I have to put them together and uh, actually help people along in whichever way I can. So can you tell me a little bit about
0: the shamanic one that you're talking about? Because I've heard a little
2: bit about it, but I don't know it enough about what it is and how it sort of works. I am not a shaman. I don't know anything about it myself. I've just been attending shamanic uh, uh, meditations and all. They're working with the drums. It's also very interesting actually that they're working with the drums and because those drums produce the same, produce a similar effect in your mind, helping to get into deeper states of consciousness, similar to the binaral beats that they're trying to get there. And so I have experienced it and I like it very much. But I am not a shaman. I have got yeah. I have got yeah. no, no teaching in that. No, no, no nothing about yeah. it. So I went onto your
0: website, and I can't remember the name. It's a meditation that you do. What hemi sync meditation? Hemi sync. No, there was another one, and it was um. So my friend, she does this one apparently, and I think you might know something about it. Uh, they did it in Hawaii at a jail.
2: Ho'oponopono. It's called
0: Ho'oponopono. Uh, yes. Can you do me a massive favour? Because I really liked the story, but I want to hear it from you, and I want to <laughs> record the story. Oh you my god! No it. pressure. At all, then
2: <laughs> no, not at all.
1: I don't know anything about this.
2: Great, <laughs> <Right. laughs> okay. So, I actually went on a course with uh, Ika we talked with the actual guy who founded that i went on a course in in czech republic it was yes. fascinating it we were like 100 or 400 people in a room where there was only supposed to be 200 <laughs> of course of course yeah so the story with the whole ponopono is with dr tugh he was a psychiatrist he had a in a mental hospital and according to the story what he did, he actually had the files of the different patients. He was obviously talking to his patients and he was talking to his staff and there was a lot of problems going on. He had a lot of, a lot of his staff was overworked and there was a lot of very aggressive patients apparently in this uh, psychiatric hospital. And what he then did, he applied an old Hawaiian technique to those patients and all to this, also to the staff that he used to take their file. And then to each one of those files, when he opened it up, he would say, I love you. Thank you. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. And he used to do that to every single patient every day in the morning when it would arrive in the hospital. And he would do it also to all his staff. And he did that for a while. And apparently then after a, after a short while, some of the patients became less aggressive. They were more kind and the staff didn't get as as much ill as they usually you know they didn't take as many sick days as they usually because they couldn't handle it and apparently according to to the urban myth many of the patients went uh, became so well that, that they could be released from the psychiatric hospital and so on me personally i don't know how how much i can actually believe in all this this is like an urban myth and this is what they're saying and if that happened actually as it happened i don't know i'm i'm often
1: actually very skeptical myself that's a good thing that yeah. you are because you need to you need to. Yeah,
2: you need to question things. You can't just believe anything that kind of comes your way. Exactly. So this is also one of the reasons why I'm, I've got difficult to tell the story because I'm not 100% convinced that it happened that way. But what I do believe and what I do know is that when you do apply the technique of the whole pono, when you're just basically using those four phrases, which is I love you, thank you, please forgive me, I am sorry. When you apply those four phrases to any aspect of your life, like a mantra, it does change things. I've experienced that and I've experienced it yeah. with
1: other people. I always have to use the third and the fourth one with Ula, all the time.
2: What is that? I'm sorry?
1: Yeah, please forgive me. Good it's one. Always that. It's always that. I, and there's never the other two. <laughs> I'm stuck in the third and fourth one. Please, please alter my consciousness so I can go into the first one. <laughs> Um, Yeah. And I think the one thing that I kind of did want to get out of your experiences from the Monroe Institute is like people think of it as something so eclectic. And so like, we don't know enough about it. It's all this mystery around it. it. What was kind of the message you took out of your experiences there and learning there as a facilitator? Like, What realize were there any big realizations that you had?
2: There was many. Mm, Give me me
1: something that you know you kind of remember on a daily basis and you go, Wow.
2: We are more than our physical bodies. We are spiritual beings who are having a human experience. That's what we really are. And we are coming here and yeah, we're forgetting. We we are all one. There is not we are not thousands or billions or what of souls or whatever. Mm, Wow so you think that
1: so we are one one. one kind of and we are all connected We are all
2: connected it's like for me this is like just imagine that you imagine like a tree
1: mm-hmm.
2: and there is billions of leaves on those trees and each each leaf thinks he's separate and better than any of the other leaves on that tree <laughs> With a lot of people yeah, like, really a lot of leaves without, like that out there without the leaf, without the tree you don't you don't exist you know and we are all connected with each other through through the roots to the to the earth, and we are all connected with each other through the different branches obviously you can't be connected to the whole world at all times, but if you're spending a lot of time with with one person, you often pick up their thoughts and they pick up yours. You know, if you think of of somebody they pick it up. Because again, when you if you if you compare it to a tree, this is because those particular leaves are on that particular branch. So because they are on this particular branch, they are more connected to each other or closer to each other than the than the ones on another branch. But we are all we are all one and our physical body has got a particular mechanism in it so we cannot remember we cannot wow. remember past, and we cannot remember what it means to be you i cannot remember what it means to be huda and i cannot remember how what it means to be sahil because if i could i wouldn't be able to grieve my life as judith yeah. so, so there is a particular mechanism in our brain and i can't explain it i'm not a, a scientist in that way but that is a kind of a knowing i have got a knowing that we are all one and we all connected and do you think and, maybe when we meet certain people that feel very comfortable to us
0: or like home that that's because they were probably a closer leaf to us
2: could be that they're closer leaf and it could also be because you need to meet them there is something they need to share with they need to share with you there's maybe something you have for them or they have something for you but if you're being if you're drawn to them you should definitely make contact and find out what there is Maybe maybe there is something. There is a piece piece of information you need from them.
0: Yeah, I always I've always believed that. Actually, I've always believed that most things that happen in our lives happen for a reason, even if they're really
2: shit at the time. <laughs> and uh, you do know. you reckon
1: that happens with animals as well? Between animals and human beings,
2: I think that uh, that animals in some ways. I think I think the, the the bigger your brain power is, the less connected we are to to nature and the universe. Yeah. And I think the less. So, for example, an animal is more connected to nature than we are, and the tree is even more connected because they have got less less of this. They don't need the stimuli. Exactly, they don't need this consciousness. You know, they don't need to have those uh, senses to to connect with their surrounding world. The the greater we are at using our senses, the more we disconnect from from our origin, from our source, whatever yeah. you want to call that source.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: And a, a lot of people, you know, b- believe in the idea that 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 is kind of. Part of the human experience is you, you're always trying to be closer to the source. You want to get as close to the source as possible.
0: And I think a lot of the time, a lot of people are so unhappy because they're doing all the wrong things to get closest to it.
1: Yeah, or they're running far away from it without realizing mm-hmm.
2: it. I think one of the things which I learned is uh, the reason why we're coming back all the time, why we're getting reincarnated, if you if you believe, or uh, the, one of the reasons why it is because we need to wake each other up. We are in this steep... Sleep, if you will. That's also why I'm calling the Lucid Mind Centre, why I'm calling it Lucid Mind Centre, because I feel yeah. that we need to become more lucid. We need to become more aware of of who we actually are and where we, why we are here. We are kind of all blindly walking this earth and forgetting why we came. And then yeah. constantly there's more people coming to kind of remind us, come on now, wake up, wake up. This is not what we. It's not here because we need to have another war or because we need to earn more money or because we need to, God knows, what this is not what we're here for we are here to wake up and help each other to to remember who we really are people
1: are so obsessed with tomatoes I don't I, them. Love tomatoes, I love tomatoes I'm them. like whatever me too. Just I love them I'm like this, this, this is just a tomato okay there are lots of what about eggplant eggplant doesn't get as much love as a tomato dog. actually eggplant's great
0: so I heard these stories so and my dad my dad told me this story um a really long time ago and it kind of reminds me of what you've just said he said that there was this man on a little boat the boat had a whole in it. And he was like, God, please save me. This boat's going to sink. You know, give me a sign that you exist. Just, you know, do something. So a couple of minutes later, suddenly out of the blue, someone came and, you know, he was like rowing over and he comes up to the man and he goes, oh, you know, do you need any help? And he goes, no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm waiting for God. I'll be fine. Thank you. So the man leaves, And then he goes, God, you know, I'm still waiting. You know, please, are you going to save me? So he sends another person over and the other person goes, hey, do you need any help? And he goes, oh, no, 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 I'm just waiting for God to save me. And that person goes, eventually he drowns and he dies. And then when he gets up to heaven, he goes to God, you know, what the hell? Why didn't you save me? I kept begging and, you know, praying to you. And he goes, I sent you two people. I think what my dad was trying to say is that sometimes people come into your life to save you and, you know, however you look at it, you've got to take that. I don't know. I thought it was a good takeaway. I
1: believe third time really <laughs> the <third> charm. <laughs> he died, okay. I and there is
2: this beautiful, there's this beautiful saying. It says, "When God sends you a a gift, He wraps it into a problem." <laughs> I
1: love yeah. that. Oh, I love really that. That's really good.
2: <laughs> he
0: wraps it into a problem. How horrible is that, though? So? I don't think it's horrible because
1: because if humans got everything <laughs> I know. That, that they wanted, they would not appreciate it.
0: I a hundred percent believe that.
1: And humans, instinctively love problem solving. <laughs> we love it. We we like the idea of solving problems. Otherwise, why would be three of us be having this discussion about (laughs) figuring out what what it's like to you know have that altered state of consciousness why do we even need to go there if we are so happy with our present lives because we are not (laughs) yeah so that's why we want to explore another dimension which will at least wake us up and i like the idea of waking up
2: we everything what is happening around us it is always reminding us it is always a reminder of wake up wake up that's how it works you know always everything you know so every everything what we kind of uh, have uh, invented this is always because uh, because a scientist looked at nature and then imitated it you know then he said then he looked at something you know the wheel he saw that something happened in nature which made something roll down the hill and then he thought ah well if i create something which is round then i can transport things easier so nature is constantly reminding us wake up do it this way don't make life so complicated
1: and then you go okay shit you just uh... just didn't get the point at all <laughs> did you well, well anyway uh... you're doing a really
2: you're really doing a really good job I'm I mean, you, I've, seen, I've seen some of your podcasts. They're very interesting. I mean, you're doing really well. Thank you so much. Well,
1: it's only as interesting as I guess, is what I believe. Yes. And I don't know, some, someone really smart told me this, and it, I've always carried it with me. I don't know who this person was, but they said that, you know, God always sends you gifts <laughs> wrapped in problems. And it's always stuck <laughs> with me.
0: <laughs> always, always.
1: I was thinking about time traveling today, actually, and I thought, you know, everyone loves the idea of time traveling, but we still haven't figured out daylight savings.
0: <laughs> no, do you know how much struggle? Oh my God!
2: Please don't
1: home. So, so technically, you were in GMT plus one. So when I typed GMT time, Greenwich Mean Time, it gave me one hour after. But then time in London is GMT plus one. So I think there was a daylight saving there as well. Was there?
2: Yeah, of course. We are plus one, but because we are in daylight saving, but Spain is, well, anyway, I don't know how it works. See, yeah, exactly. See, what the hell?
1: And we want to do like time traveling. Imagine we get there and we are like... Well, we Whoa. did. We
2: did try and travel. You see? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, technically we are time traveling.
1: Do you think it's exactly exist?
2: what happened. What happened actually? Because you, I thought it was at one time. You thought it was at another. So that in itself is a message. That is, you see, that is one of the other things which I took away from the Monroe Institute. That everything is a message. Uh,
1: again, someone said that God gives us.
2: <laughs> oh my God! Stop repeating problems. it. I really <laughs> like that. It,
1: spiritually, really awake. I think.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: You oh, know what? This episode.
2: Also, very interesting. Obviously, I speak several languages and gift, you know, the English word gift yeah, in German means poison.
1: Gift. Uh, that
2: is so funny.
1: <laughs> it is actually really funny. Because I wanted to gift a lot of people. <laughs> lot of people. <laughs> I'm sure you want to gift a lot of people. And I've gone now, uh, maybe not. Judith, one last question. Uh, aliens, what's your personal... Personal thought about that, or have you not given that enough thought? Because
2: I've given that a lot of thought. Yeah, (laughs)
1: I've given it a lot of thought. I feel like you'd be a great person to chat with uh, on a glass of wine. I don't know why I feel that.
2: Definitely, we can do that next time. We just get a glass of wine. It's gonna be your morning and my evening. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's right. So we're gonna be drunk in the morning then. (laughs) Well. And just to quickly say to you about aliens, aliens, uh, again, is what, the way people perceive it. Aliens are nothing else than angels or what, what some people would have maybe called angels and other people would have called ghosts. This is, again, it's some kind of extrasensory p- perception. If aliens really can time travel, I don't think we would see them unless they want us to see them. Have you heard about those uh, appearances of Mother Mary, you know, of... Uh, in in mm-hmm. medjugorje or, or places like that where where young children they they see the mother mary you know Not there's maybe right. three i've never heard about this in portugal as well in fatima has happened wow no. they've got an appearance uh, of of jesus mother you know mother mother magdalena i don't even know how we call this virgin, yeah. mary. virgin yeah, mary virgin mary and uh, this is totally fascinating as well so there is maybe a group of whatever say four or five kids and they all only them see disappearance of, of Virgin Mary and she's giving them messages and they're in trance and, and doctors had gone there and measured their pulse and, and uh, temperature and, and their brain waves and, and, and god knows all and those kids were in trance and they, they were seeing her, nobody else could. And the, you know, people. Yeah. Then these- I always think uh, that kids
0: are the most connected, and I think it goes back to your initial theory with animals, where you know, because kids are still so young um, and they have less stimuli, that they're kind of a lot more in touch with nature.
1: And they're less, they're less uninhibited. That's why when we drink alcohol, we tend to have. And I mean, that's why people do drugs, <laughs> and that's why people have those experiences with hallucinogenics
2: Yeah. It's uh, but This is what has very become popular now. This ayahuasca
0: ayahuasca. ayahuasca. Uh-huh. Yes, have you done it? I know. I no, I have not, but I I've heard of one of my really good friends. She has done it, and she have said, "Have you done it? Have,
2: have you, you done
1: it, Judith? No, no, I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm I'm too old. old.
2: Oh. Too old. Do you suggest we do?
1: Oh, I'm not doing.
2: It. <laughs> I'm not suggesting anything. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I better be really <laughs> careful. <laughs> I suggest you do. I suggest you do Hemisync because it's safe. Yes, I well, want. I
0: actually really want. We're going to do it. I reckon. What we're going to do, we the and podcast. then we're going to record a podcast
2: about it. And, and that's, that's what I wanna do. And what we're gonna, what I'm going to do, I'm going to week, I'm gonna do weekly seminars, well, weekly sessions. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where we are gonna do different, different exercises. So, okay. would you be able to do this in the morning? So, if I do, if I say, okay, I do it at seven o'clock GMT, what time would that be in Australia?
1: that's seven seven gmt would be four, five three or four yeah four or five in the afternoon. four or five in the afternoon depends that's... depends what day no what no day. That,
2: no in the evening if i would do it 7 p.m
1: oh 7 p.m um, so that'll be three or four in the morning
2: yeah that's no good
1: yeah so you'd have to do it i would have to do it like in the morning like
2: this time now i would have yes. to do it like yeah, 9 o'clock okay. in the morning yeah mm-hmm So 9 o'clock in the morning
0: would be what time in in Australia? 9 o'clock in the morning would be uh, 7 o'clock for us. Yeah, which
1: is when we started today.
0: Which is when we started. Actually, no, 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock. Yeah, 6 o'clock.
2: 10.45 right here, right now. Let me see. Okay.
1: So if you started at 9 o'clock, it'll be 6 in the evening for us. But that is a good time. That is perfect perfect time.
2: time. Australia.
1: Because Huda really needs to meditate.
0: I actually do. I really need to meditate. I need it. So you're not meditating at all? No, I tried once and when I try meditating, I just think about all the things I have to do
2: in the day. That is the beginning, you know, that is because your mind is calming down. So you need to learn to put all those thoughts away. Mm. One of the very first exercises when you are doing them with, uh, with Monroe Institute, you learn to, to create a box and in this box, you
1: put all the things
2: which are bothering you. So close the hand lid and leave it in the box.
1: But then Huda will be like, who's going to pick up that box?
0: But also, yeah, I will. And also, isn't that similar to sweeping things under the rug? No.
1: How is that sweeping things up? Because, you
0: know, you've got issues and you're not addressing
2: those issues. I mean, isn't the point to address them? Yeah, but not at that particular... Okay, yeah. So once you to meditate and you put all your stuff into the box, then you can later, when you know what you're doing and you know how to travel and go in and out of those different states of consciousness, that's when you then can pick one thing out of the box and then deal with it. But first of all, you know how to meditate. That is the very first thing. I mean, it's it's not necessary that you, you know, if you want to meditate, you don't necessarily need to lie down and meditate. You can also go and do yoga or you maybe need to go for a run or whatever whichever way
1: that's too many ways she's getting intimidated come on i'm not exactly so maybe maybe
2: that's the thing for you but maybe yoga is too slow maybe for you you actually need to go and do some heavy weight lifting because that's what which gets you into the you know kind of a different different kind of state the reason why yoga is so effective i mean i like yoga very much is because you're first using your body you're getting you're getting your body worked up And then you have got this meditation period after you've done your session. So those 10 minutes, five to 10 minutes of this relaxation. Okay. Okay that's when the meditation happens after have used up all those energies in the body. You know, they've been activated, the breathing and... Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's And and people like I, a lot of people say like driving is so meditative.
2: It is. I but, love driving.
1: Because that's kind of the time where, you know, you let your thoughts just go. And actually, I, I think I'll put my two cents in here. Something that I saw on a TikTok video, which has kind of blown my mind. It's a very simple idea that someone suggested was that think about every negative thought or thought, any thought that kind of as you think about it as a horse a horse that is running towards you running towards you getting closer getting closer getting closer getting closer it'll stop there for a while you don't have to get onto it and then just let it run away think about it as a train a train comes into a station it'll stay there for a bit but it's time for it to go so you don't have to get onto it i'm like oh my god that's such a great visual and as soon as i got the visual i'm like now i can do that because I've got the visual.
0: And the box was perfect. That really, like, that is a really good cool Whatever, visual. my train one was better. It wasn't yours anyway. Okay? You oh,
1: no, mine was train one is way better than the box. <laughs> okay. Who's going to pick up the box?
2: I'm going to make you pick they it up. Also, they also use one where they, where they call it the safe place. They use it in hip, hip, hypnosis. Oh. They are creating a safe place, and then in that safe place, place you have got different tools how you can deal with your thoughts and your fears do you have um any do you know much about hypnotism no not so much but i have a friend who is a hypnotherapist so and she's she's also here in in europe she's also part can we talk to her for sure and i'm actually going on a spoon bending online seminar next sunday
1: (laughs) spoon bending so you can bend a spoon (laughs)
2: Well the Runner Institute has got one of the courses which are called M C Square and on M C Square you learn how to bend a spoon or light a light bulb by holding it or grow a plant faster than it than it can. And well, uh, they can bend ha- a
1: spoon, but
2: not yes. with his mind. Yeah. Oh, I love that! This is one of the next courses I would like to do. It's called MC Square. You know, yeah, like the one-
1: energy is equal to MC Square.
2: Exactly, wow. and uh, it's also because uh, there's this guy called Joe Gallenberger who lives in Las Vegas. He's also uh, associated with the Monroe Institute, and he's actually doing seminars of how to influence dice. You know, so wow. when people get <laughs> gambling, <laughs>
1: so you can gamble, you can win. That
2: is amazing. You can win. <laughs> wow. So yeah, and it's also about manifestation. I mean. You need to, everything you want, I mean, everything you kind of manifested in this life. And if you think back what you have manifested in your life, it all started with some kind of idea.
1: Oh, you're now and, you're getting into my zone, Judith, because I'm massively yes. into... Oh, I
2: love I love that. I love this. I mean, I know that everything that I have in my life is this always been started with an idea of, or a desire or a wish.
1: Yeah, they say if you have the desire, that means it's already happened. Exactly. It, that's why you're desiring it. It's,
2: it's the desire which makes it happen. It's, it's, uh, we call, they call it law of attraction and all those other kinds of things. But it's actually the, the most powerful, absolutely most powerful state of mind which will which will make bring something into reality is the desire to know if you desire to know you will know Mm -hmm. and that's why you have to be and that's why they say be very careful with what you wish for because if you desire to know what this or that feels like and you're not 100% sure that you want to experience that don't wish it don't yeah. desire yeah. it's a desire is to know which makes it which moves it It makes it happen which will manifest it that's why in the law of attraction they say if you want to have a house you know cut out a piece out of a magazine of the house you would like to have hang it on your pinball look at it all uh, all the time and imagine what it feels like to to live in it it's wow. because it's the desire to know how would it feel to live in this particular house to manifest it or the desire to know how would it feel to receive this check where it says one million dollar on it wow
1: Wow. i've already seen that check and
2: i can expand on that for and then i can talk another three hours about (laughs) wow that is amazing well
1: we we are gonna have to uh do another session with you
0: but yes thank you so much for your time it's been incredible
1: and thank Thank you you so much Thank you for gathering your thoughts because this is something that's yes. really hard to talk about and explain in words. Words don't do it justice. So thank you for taking the time to do that.
2: And thank you for finding me. Thanking thank thanking the universe yeah. for getting us together. And yeah, you're on the other side of the globe. So we are like a circle. We are like a we are like a wheel. We are making things.
1: <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you, Judith. Bye, Judith. Thank
2: you. Bye. Bye. Have a nice Bye. one. You too. Bye.